Hello again, it's Danny Howe back for yet another episode of Tales of Southern Indiana, and it's been quite a while since our last visit, so uh, just been a, a, a busy a summer as the planet starts to cook more, and um, I hope uh, those of you who've uh, been listening to us for a while are, are, have not yet melted or gotten your feet stuck to uh, the uh, to the tar of the country roads as it gets real hot and sticky as it used to when I grew up and must be a lot worse now. At any rate, um, I thought uh, for this particular episode that I might revisit a, a topic that sort of bothered me my whole life, which has been the inability to lose my Southern Indiana accent. When I grew up in Southern Indiana, I did not want to have my Southern Indiana accent accent because I thought it, frankly, I thought it sounded kind of like I was trying to chew on a big piece of fat while I was talking. And uh, yet I found that no matter how much I practiced and after I left Indiana and could actually speak like I was a newscaster, as soon as I got around anybody who was from someplace like Indiana or around simply the topic of Indiana, like we're talking about right now, the accent comes back and I can't really do anything about it. Although if I wasn't in that kind of a situation or around somebody with a Southern accent and one asked me to give an example of, of the thing, I, I couldn't do it. I, I would try and it would sound silly and it wouldn't be accurate at all. I'm not sure why that is. It's some strange way the brain works. At any rate, um, so we talk different. Um, in in southern Indiana, and uh, you know, there's a if there's a formal name for the dialect uh, that exists there. It's called um, the Southern Midland dialect, and it's the northernmost reach of the Southern Midland dialect. It's actually called the the, the Hoosier Spur uh, of that dialect. It just is a little bubble that goes north of the of the demarcation line for it up into southern Indiana and gets kind of close to Indianapolis and then turns back and runs the other way, as many people from southern Indiana have done for the ages. And, um, and that's, that's what it is. And it is a very, if, if, you, if you had the experience ever of um, coming to Indiana and maybe you flew in uh, to Indianapolis by, you know, by airplane and started driving south, as the land gets hillier, the accent gets thicker. And, and hard to understand, really, in, in a lot of occasions. There was an article in uh, a hometown paper uh, about uh, a woman who was Miss Indiana who came in, I think, fourth in the Miss America contest. And in an interview with her, she was explaining that, you know, she was from New Jersey, so she actually wasn't a true Hoosier, uh, but they, she snuck into the contest somehow anyway. And... She explained that the hardest thing that she experienced moving from New Jersey to Indiana was trying to understand what the hell people were saying when they were talking um, because she must have moved to a place in maybe southern Indiana where the accent was pretty thick. And it is. Uh, it is pretty thick. Um, I mean, it's not like Pennsylvania Dutch uh, or, you know, something you can. It, it is clearly English. But, uh, but it's a kind of English that uh, hasn't changed a whole lot since probably the early, mid-1800s when um, the uh, you know, American soldiers had finally driven Native Americans out of southern Indiana and white settlers started to move in in large, large numbers. The, uh, you know, the folks who uh, settled there, I mean, they originally came, a lot of folks uh, did from parts of Wales or Scotland or parts of England that were near Wales. And... Um, ended up when they came over originally in 
parts of Virginia, maybe halfway between the central and northern parts of the state, and didn't want to stay there for whatever reason, and kind of made their way through Tennessee and Kentucky and got to southern Indiana and pretty much just stopped. Never went anywhere else. I always figured the reason was that the, you know, the soil's are hard clay there and a lot of rocks and yeah, you see farms, but it's not a commercial farming area because it's just not the right land for it. I thought, well, maybe they just got there and went broke. Or maybe they got there and there was something in the air, just like there is now, that caused people to start to behave and think differently than a lot of other folks you might run into in life, including the thought that perhaps you should never ever leave very far from where you grew up, which is kind of kind of how things are out there. But I was thinking about the language, and you know, there's a notion of accents and there's a notion of dialects. Now there's a vocabulary that certainly people talk about a lot in terms of some of the words that are used out there and in similar parts of the country who you know that we also could talk about but southern indiana is what i'm familiar with we have certain words that we use that i don't use in my common parlance uh today but i would if i went back to indiana they would just come back naturally um one of the things is 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 of course pronunciations the word wash doesn't really exist it's wash uh, and and so you you wash something in a wash tub and it's a corrugated steel tub that you would wash if you were saying the word wash um, and uh, the word oil uh, it pretty much usually comes out as oral and I'm not sure why but uh, always strange thing you know try to figure out what people are talking about when saying I will change the oral in my car um, and again there's sort of a more of an accent to it that makes it sound not not sort of intentionally odd, although it is. Um, town names. Uh, in my home county, we had a town, uh, a town called Orleans, which kind of was just the R, Orleans, you know, no O, hint, hint of the there left. Um, and a town, Huron, the Huron, you know, uh, Native American tribe, Huron tribe. Um, little town, uh, wonderful people there. And... Um, Mostly, the town is pronounced Huron, which of course sounds like urine, uh, and it just is that. Nobody sort of thinks about it when you hear people say it that way. You know the difference between Huron and urine, even though it's hard to hear a little bit. Um, and, uh, and you try not to make jokes about it because, you know, you want to be respectful of people who live in a town whose name gets pronounced like urine. It's not their fault they didn't choose that name. Uh, somebody else did a long time ago, and they... And they, they, they didn't think it through later as it got uh, to be a source of confusion, maybe. Um, now, there are, again, there's, there's, there's clearly uh, different words that are used there. Um, sack instead of bag. When you go to the grocery store, you have a sack of groceries. Uh, not how we would think of a sack uh, in other parts of the country. Um, the word, um, uh, you know, Reckon. Reckon gets used to mean, you know, this is, you know, I understand or I believe that, that something is so, I reckon it's so. Um, I was like chuckle. You know, out here in the east, uh, eastern United States, we have potholes. But in Indiana, they're chuckles. And I, I don't know why they're called chuckles. Maybe um, woodchucks would live in them after a while if the cars didn't come and squish them to death. I, I don't know, but they're called chuckles. And, um, and then there's words that are, you know, that, that would typically be used in different ways somewhere else. Um, anyways, instead of nowadays, you know, it's like, a, you know, or any, 
you know, in any, any ways, you know, I mean, sort of whatever. Uh, and um, things would need being done. So you'd say, you know, this needs fixed or the dog needs washed. Well, not washed, the dog needs washed. And, and you know, at some point, this stuff just adds together and makes uh, communication almost incomprehensible, which is probably why people don't talk all that much, generally speaking, um, out in southern Indiana. Um, at any rate, um, it, it, there tends to be, um, you know, some of these phrases that, uh, that uh, well, I think, uh, you know, people still say. Um, you say, you know, you would say, um, for instance, uh, you know, something, I said, my accent kicks back in. Uh, nobody says kicks back in out here for, for anything, as far as I know. I mean, an engine kicks back in, maybe, but, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of a... If you, if you try to Google the phrase, kick back in, nothing really comes up. Um, another example that's sort of... I haven't been able to find um, any background on it, uh, searching, is um, the use of the word slosh. Now, I talked earlier in, in you know, uh, our episode on corporal punishment about my mother liking to chase us when she was mad at us with a cup of coffee that had coffee in it, and she would slosh some of the coffee at us. So in, in the parlance there, slosh is, it's a, it's a verb to describe how you are throwing something liquid. And, you know, you, you slosh it which, as opposed to just throwing all of it at once. And that's not how slosh really is used generally as a word. But at any rate, so we've got a lot of, a lot of different examples uh, like that. You certainly hear in the podcast episodes me saying the word whatnot, and I can't really seem to help from saying whatnot over and over again. It gets to be kind of annoying. My, uh, my, my nephew was his family, they were driving to Florida, and they thought they would listen to all the episodes one after the other and count, uh, you know, how many uh, had the word whatnot in it and how many times, and, uh, and pretty much they didn't have to wait very long. So, it's all those sorts of things, you know, that the, the, when you have an area of the country where there hasn't been a lot of change for a long time and people have, um, by and large, stayed within their own communities, you know, I've said before, and I think on one of the other episodes, that a lot of these little towns in southern Indiana were settled, you know, back again in the early 1800s, and there's not been a lot of people who've married outside of those communities in those years, and so... After some time, you could tell what town someone was from by the slope of their forehead. Uh, but uh, but the, the, the language is preserved in a way that um, at least makes it interesting. Um, and I guess I never really thought about it while I was growing up there. Um, and then after I was convinced that I had lost my accent because I had tried to do it so hard... Um, people would still detect the accent and ask me, you know, what the heck it was, because it's not a southern accent. It's not uh, a, um, you know, some sort of a, of a very special ethnic sort of accent. It's, um, it's just sort of a, a preservation in time of a way that, you know, mouths worked and, 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 and tongues functioned inside them and everything to make words that other people needed to understand. And, I think part of the notion may have been, in terms of the odd ways that some of the stuff gets um, got worked up over the years, is that, you know, there's not a great need to understand people really well. Because, you know, you, you don't really want to be intrusive anyway. So just get a, enough of an understanding to get past whatever you're trying to deal with in the moment. And 
If dialect seems to get in the way, well, maybe it's supposed to. Any rate, there's a few thoughts uh, about one of the many aspects of what makes us uh, unique and uh, and somewhat interesting, at least from time to time, out in southern Indiana. And uh, and then again, just the uh, the phenomenon of how one you know so one can't go home again one one never really can leave home in terms of really leaving the accent that's how i've experienced it and that's the accent you hear when you tune in as always we do appreciate you doing that and uh stay safe uh try not to melt and we'll talk to you soon